Hey, 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 welcome back to the Women's Healthy Living Club Podcast. Also known as the Women's Healthy Living Club Podcast. Wait, I think I already said Women's Healthy Living Club. Also known as the WHLC Podcast. I'm your host, Darian, and I'm so excited to be talking to your ears again. Talking to your ears. Not sure what that was, but you're welcome. You are so welcome for that. Today we're going to be talking about breathing, posture, and emotions. Some of my favorite things to be talking about on earth. Seriously, I mean that. For real. I mean it. So, it's a good day for me because I'm back in my follicular phase and I'm feeling life and it feels so good. I don't know if you could tell by the amount that I like feel like singing right now, but <laughs> I'm back in follicular phase and I'm feeling on top of the world. It's great. I don't know about you guys, but or I should say you gals, you ladies, but you know, I get depressed. Okay. Everybody gets depressed. If you think you're special for being depressed and having depression, you're not. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. But everybody gets depressed. Maybe they fluctuate in varying levels of depression and how they let it affect them, them, you know, their function in life. But everybody gets depressed. Everybody gets depressed. Everybody knows what what I'm talking about. Everybody's felt this stress. What? Sorry. (laughs) I told you guys I'm on crack and hyper because I'm on follicular phase. But anyway... Usually like three days before and three days after my menstrual phase um, are the heaviest times or they're, they're the darkest of times. They're the times that I feel the lowest, the times that I listen to that little voice of insecurity and actually start believing it like, oh my gosh, are my lips too big? Oh my gosh, is my butt too big? Oh my gosh, like is all this true? It's not true. It's usually not true. But, um, you know then I feel like this emotional shift that's pretty drastic when follicular phase happens and my menstruation stops and it's like a night and day it's ridiculous it's literally like night and day like one minute I'll be like hermiting in the house covered in blankets speechless and just like in a dark corner reading a book or something and Tom's like you okay and I'm like yeah bitch I'm fine I'm just bleeding and I want to be left alone (laughs) and then the next day like you know I'm off I'm out of my menstrual phase and it's like a totally different person it's nuts and it's also one of the best blessings of being a woman is being able to have to know those shifts to understand your shifts and to to respect them and be ready for them and to take care of them and yourself when you're in those different phases anywho let's get to the point of this podcast because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I cannot stay on track for the freaking life of me. I'm really working on it, though. I really am. Like, I've been actually writing outlines and, like, looking at them while I make the podcast, although I'm not looking at one right now. I plan to look at one when I get home in the next 10 minutes. So, breathing, posture, and emotions. First off, why in the hell are we talking about this, right? Why should you be listening to this podcast? I mean, I don't know, because we all have emotions and... Sometimes it just does not feel really good to be the one who's emotionally pooping on the moment. You know what I mean? You know who you are when you're taking an emotional dump on something. And sometimes it feels good because you're like, well, at least I got it off my chest and I feel better. But it's not the best thing to do when you're like 
you know, when you're like trying to motivate someone or you're trying to, you know, make someone smile and have joy. If you're feeling like crap emotionally and internally, it's really hard to do that and help somebody else out when you feel like yourself is on the ground, right? And with the nature of my job, I have to be ready to pick people up off the ground, like both literally and metaphorically speaking. (laughs) Like I got to be ready for someone to lose their legs and catch them at any moment and make sure they don't hit their head and fall on the floor. But I also have to be ready for that for them emotionally. I have to be ready to pick them up when they feel like they can't go on. I have to be ready to be there to motivate them when they're like, I can't do it. And I'm like, but I saw you do it yesterday. (laughs) I've got to be ready to, to be there for them. And if I'm not having a good time internally, then that makes my job really, really hard. And then the harder my job gets, the harder my internal, um, you know, flows and feelings get. And then it just perpetuates itself into a deep, dark pit of sadness. So I've made it my personal job to develop what I learned to be termed in OT school as emotional intelligence. You may have heard it, this word emotional intelligence in other areas or, you know, times in your life. But my first time hearing it was in OT school. And I thought, what a cool word, emotional intelligence. Like that sounds sexy, doesn't it? I'm emotionally intelligent. So what do you have to bring to the table? I'm just kidding. But um, when I learned about what emotional intelligence is, let's talk about what it is. It's your ability to adapt to emotion in the moment, on the spot, the best that you can. That's, That's positive for both you and the people around you. And it's also being able to identify and recognize your emotions and then meet the needs of yourself to then mitigate those emotions so that they don't overtake you. And we've talked about that on this podcast where an emotion can come one out of nowhere, can just come out of nowhere. And then two, if you're not ready for it, or if it takes you by surprise, it can eventually straight up hijack your entire being. Just hijack it. Like, you know, some people... Some people get angry, you know, but what does that really mean? Because it's not like you just lose your entire identity and you're no longer like, I'm no longer Darian. And all of a sudden my name's angry. Like, no, it doesn't happen that way. But when you're, when you're, you know, not in awareness, when you're not paying attention to your emotions, when you're not paying attention to your breathing or your posture, which we'll get into in a few minutes, then the emotion can overtake you and hijack you and possess you like literally like a demon. And that's when someone is angry. Like I'm angry. Like you're, t- you're even defining yourself with your words. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm depressed. You're, s- you're telling yourself who and what you are and how you are. And then you act that out because you've stated it. So instead of saying those things, I'm angry, I'm this, you could say, or think to yourself, Hmm, I feel some anger bubbling. What can I do to stop it? What can I do to Um, you know, care for that bubbling anger so that it doesn't overtake me and make me do something that I don't really want to do or that I, you know, I wouldn't see to be valuable. And it's hard because emotions can serve as like, first off, emotions are all over the map. Okay. You have, I read this book called Power Versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins. And it's a very interesting book, kind of, kind of weird, but mostly interesting. And it mapped out our levels of consciousness. And in those levels of consciousness, it had a bunch of emotions like 
anger, shame, guilt, um, peace, joy, contentment, ecstasy, excitement. And basically our consciousness is divided into two hemispheres, fear and love. And, you know, love is obviously the higher vibrational frequency of consciousness. And we all want to be there all the time. But like I said, it's unrealistic to expect that from yourself. Um, because if you, if we all lived in an optimal state of loving frequency at all times of the day, we would never really understand or appreciate being in that state. We would be like, yeah, this is business as usual. What do you mean? But because we experience the opposite end of the spectrum, the fear side, the depression, anxiety, insecurity, then because we can experience the, the amount and level that we can experience those negative ones, which sounds crazy. It's, this is going to sound crazy, but it is serious truth. The, deep, the deeper we can go into those without letting it shake us, and the, the more we can approach those levels of consciousness with a friendliness and an openness and, an, and a, hi, who are you? What do you have to share? Type of approach. The more, and the more fully and deeply we can experience the love frequencies of consciousness. And love and fear, they come in all kinds of different flavors. I already mentioned some in the beginning of this little part. But um, so that's a big thing to think about. You, you can't live in optimal love frequency of consciousness all the time. Otherwise, you wouldn't know you were you wouldn't know you were living in gold unless you knew what dirt was. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. Anywho, so these levels of consciousness, we're fluctuating through them all day long and Emotions kind of serve as like, they can become cloudy to your vision. They can cloud your vision quite a bit or color it in a different way. And our vision and our perspective is everything. It's everything. It's the, it's the, it's the pinnacle point that decides whether you're having a bad day or a good day. It's the pinnacle point that decides whether you are feeling fulfilled by your job or taken advantage of. Like it, perspective is everything everything and if you can learn to become emotionally intelligent then you have more power over your perspective and therefore more power and control over your life and the more power and control you have over your life then the easier it will be to implement and create a healthy lifestyle for yourself so that's why we're talking about this stuff because it's important to healthy lifestyle now Let's get into, so we talked about emotions, and there's this really cool little um, thing, this little saying or way of looking at the word emotion that I thought was kind of cool. So if you look at how it's spelled, it's E, oh my gosh, I like literally just blanked on how to spell emotions right quick, like, whoa, <laughs> it's spelled E-M-O, well E and then motion, you can spell motion, I don't need to spell it for you, but the letter E it actually is an abbreviation in physics for energy. It's, it's E with a circle around it. And then motion. So emotion is just energy moving inside of you. And these emotions, because it's moving energy, can cause physiological responses. And we've already seen this in science, and it's been beaten over the head a billion times about how our bodies demonstrate physiological responses to different emotions. For example when say you get startled you know like you open your door and somebody's standing there and they surprise you the first thing that happens is you're like <gasps> right like oh 
and your breath is literally suspended in air for a second which is pretty cool and you your breath line is cut off you're not breathing you're just <gasps> you took it in and you're like oh my gosh whoa right then your heart rate spikes up maybe your blood pressure follows along and also spikes up these things we know right so emotions are powerful things <laughs> energy is powerful and energy cannot be created or destroyed so a lot of times people will think well if i have emotions then i just I just kill them, you know? I just pretend they're not there and I tuck them down and I don't deal with them and I'm just like, look at that. Emotions don't affect me. I'm emotionless, ha ha, I win. Doesn't work like that. Cannot be destroyed or recreated. Nobody really knows where emotions come from and they can come from anywhere. They can come from midair. they can come from a weird smell you get or a smell that reminds you of some past experience. They come from all over the place. So it's hard to predict like, oh, I think I'm going to be angry today later. Like you can't, you can't prepare for emotion is the thing I'm trying to get to. So you got to be on your toes all the time. Now, like I mentioned, emotion is really powerful. And it's so powerful, in fact, that when you have a certain emotion, you actually, it can actually change, one, your breathing pattern, two, your posture. And these two things, breathing and posture, are little control points for us when it comes to developing our emotional intelligence. We, it gives us power. Posture gives us power and breathing gives us power. But like anything that we've talked about when it comes to adopting a healthy lifestyle, it's a tool and it can go the opposite direction. It can get just as dark as it gets light. And so when you have an emotion, we'll take fear for example, because a lot of reason that people struggle to adopt a healthy lifestyle is out of fear, out of these things they've been telling themselves about themselves, about sometimes people are afraid on a real deep and subconscious level of what they have to be or of, of the better self that they have inside them. Some people are terrified of that because they're so used to this self they've been living with forever. So we'll talk about fear first. When you get, become afraid, there are certain physiological responses I mentioned already, like the heart rate getting higher or faster. What also happens to your breathing is that your respiration rate increases and you start breathing faster and more shallow. And by more shallow, I mean there are three cavities or three sections within your um, trunk that you can breathe into. They're called cavities. And there's three when it comes to breathing. The lower cavity is your like ab lower abdominal area where you're through your belly button, up to your belly button. And then from there, the middle cavity is your solar plexus, and that's where your ribs part. So that little mushy part in between where your ribs separate, that's your solar plexus. And then above that is your upper chest cavity, which is exactly what it is, your upper chest, clavicle, and neck area. So when we become afraid, we spend a lot of our breathing capacity just using the top third of all three breathing cavities. And the guy I studied under Paul Check, he actually goes to as far to say that nobody's breathing correctly anymore because of our fast-paced lifestyle, our Western um, value of productivity and more is better and instant gratification and all this stuff plays into it. But um, he has a theory that nobody's breathing correctly anymore because when he assesses people, they're all doing chest breathing, upper chest breathing, and nobody is breathing into their um, lower belly, which is a practice called diaphragmatic breathing, and it's a practice I've called the earth breath. 
we'll get into those later. But so when you're in a fear response or you're in a fear state or you're about to be in one, those are the things that are happening. And the other thing that happens is your posture begins to close off. Your body gets weaker, your shoulders round forward, your chest, your you know, your ribs start to kind of cave inward towards your spine and you have like a rounded upper back, your head falls forward. This is kind of like a, a standing fetal position. And it's become a position, I see it a lot in my geriatric patients, that over time that just gets solidified and then they're stuck there. And when your posture is stuck in a place and response to fear, it's really hard to get out of that mentally and physically. So the, the sooner you can start working on this stuff, the better, because that means your chances of getting stuck in a fear position or posture is much less. Let's get into posture and how it affects emotions because we're there already. So I listened to this TED talk. I'm really sorry to whoever did this TED talk. I don't remember her name for the life of me. And I listened to it like years ago, but it was her theory basically was that posture affects emotions and vice versa. And she was able to demonstrate with experiments in science that people who went into an interview and wanted to perform well, who adopted a power stance or a winning stance, which I'll describe in a minute, were able to perform better and land their positions. They felt more successful. They actually were more successful and it helped them um, succeed in their interviews. And the idea was, so a winning posture, if you've ever seen watch sports or seen any type of event that's competitive, when somebody wins, the, what's the first thing they do? They throw their arms up in the air in a big Y, like, yes, I win. And their, their chest is broad, it's expanded towards the sky, their neck is back and their head maybe thrown back too. And they're just loving life because they won. So what she did is had those people, these people going into an interview, she had one set um, adopt a fear posture, which is like rounded. So they had, these people have bad posture, rounded their shoulders, rounded their upper backs, tucked their heads down. Um, and then she had the other set do the winning posture and just hold it for, I think like 10 seconds, I don't know, um, before they did their interviews. And the ones who held the power stance or the, the winning posture actually won and succeeded in their interviews and felt better about themselves within their interviews as well. So Posture is powerful, and it's something that you can control on a daily basis all day, every day. And it takes a lot of practice because sometimes you are adopting poor posture and you're not even aware of it. And then you're like, why do I feel so sad all of a sudden? Why did the day start getting a lot harder? And it's because you've let your posture go. On the flip side, if you're having a, a fear-based emotion or a love-based emotion, your posture can change based on that too. So emotion can change posture and posture can change emotion. It is two-way street, y'all, two-way street, y'all, a two-way street. So let's get into the real meat of this podcast. The breath work, one of my favorite, favorite things to talk about. One of my um, gurus, I will call her, my guruji, um, guru means teacher in Hindu Swahili. Oh my gosh. I work with some Kenyans who speak Swahili, so I, that just slipped out, but, um, I meant to say Sanskrit. Guru means teacher in Sanskrit. And one of my gurus that I started studying when I first started getting interested in yoga, her name is Megan Curry. And she says, one of my favorite things that she says is that the breath is the boss. And it is so true. You can learn so much about yourself 
through breathing, about emotional processing and intelligence through breathing. It is a serious superpower. And in yoga, if you know anything about yoga at all, there's eight limbs to yoga. And I'll have a podcast on yoga eventually. Um, But there's eight limbs. One of the limbs is what we focus mostly on in the West, and it's what you sign up and pay for when you sign up for a yoga studio membership or whatever. You want to get there and do the postures. You want to do the poses. You want to do the cool stuff. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you want to do it for relaxation. That's great too, but most people want to sign up for the postures, and that's called asana. That is one of eight pieces of yoga. Eight one. And we're just hyper-focused on it. People are using yoga for exercise and it was never meant to be used for purely for exercise. But another limb and the limb we're going to talk about is pranayama. Prana means life force energy. And I don't really know what yama means now that I'm thinking about it, but I used to know at some point. Anywho, basically pranayama means breath control. And The theory behind yoga, you've heard it a billion times, I'm sure, if you are anywhere in the health scene at all, I'm sure you're sick of hearing about yoga. I'm getting sick of it, so I wouldn't be surprised if you're getting sick of it, but there's a concept of the mind-body connection. Yes, the mind-body connection, and it is real. I'm telling you about it already from emotions controlling posture and posture controlling emotions, but here is the thing. Breathing is another type of wild beast. And emotions affect your breathing. We mentioned that earlier in the podcast. Fear, increased respiration rate, right? But our lungs and our diaphragm, our respiratory system, is one of the only organs in our bodies that we have both voluntary control over as well as involuntary control. That's huge. That's a big deal. And that's a huge statement to it being one of the pinnacle points of emotional intelligence, of mind-body connection, of mind control, of controlling your own mind. Because our minds control everything, like our involuntary functions, they're all controlled by our autonomic system, nervous system, auto, automatic, autonomic. Basically, it's doing it on its own. I don't have to think like, okay, okay, heart, beat, okay, beat, okay, beat. Okay, beat again. Okay, heart, beat again. Beat, beat. Like I don't have to flex my heart and make myself stay alive, right? It just does it on its own. Our breathing works that way too. It's involuntary as well. But unlike the heart, I can control my breath. I can't control my heart, but I can control my breath to then control my heart. You see what I'm saying here? Through the breath, we can access an incredible amount of pathways of control in our bodies. And I don't even think they've been explored or researched enough to this date. Like we don't have the tools to research in depth how much we can affect our physiological states through breathing yet. But there is some science. I read a little article online. I think it was on some website called mindful.org. And it was a, by a woman whose last name is Go. I can't think of her first name right now, but I do have some notes written down somewhere about this little doodad I'm going to talk about. I just can't find them, of course. But anyway, I think her name was like Kathy or Carolyn or Carrie. Hmm. One of those. Carrie Go. Anyway, the article was really interesting, and it quoted a study that was talking about breathing and 
its effects on our cognition and our cognitive functions. And this is stuff I didn't know. I've been practicing um, pranayama breath control for a, a pretty long time, I'm running on seven years here now, which is a lot, a lot of time. And it's incredible to look back and think, wow, like seven years has gone by bef- since the first time I learned about pranayama and the first time I tried a breathing, a breath control exercise. Like, whoa, seven years, that's nuts. Oh, I found my little book. Okay. Um, so in this study, they were able to determine that the in-breath and the out-breath have different effects on our cognition. And we'll get into a little bit about the breathing practices that I've picked and chosen for my program specifically and how they affect your cognition and your mental health state. But for now, let's talk about this study. If you can hear me turning pages. Oh, I found it. Crystal. Crystal Go is who wrote this article. And in this article, it basically says that on your in-breath, you, when you're consciously, so let's talk about conscious breathing first. There's the involuntary part of breathing that just happens throughout your day so that you don't die, right? But you're not actually thinking about those breaths and, and you know, bringing in conscious voluntary action into your lungs and diaphragm to get them. But when you do take a conscious controlled inhalation, it actually can improve your memory and your emotional regulation. On the out-breath, so the more you can control your out-breath, it gives you a sense of de-stressing and can relax your central nervous system. That's pretty dope, right? Speaking of nervous systems, there are two different parts of our nervous systems and they're in, within the autonomic branch of our nervous system. I don't want to go into how our nervous system breaks up right now. It's pretty complex. But if you give it a Google, Google autonomic nervous system, and you'll see like a whole tree of how it breaks down and whatever. Autonomic is our automatic responses. They're impulsive. They're reactionary. And so there's two branches to the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And these are overbeaten as well in the health and fitness industry. No shame. I'm going to beat them again. But... If you go back and listen to the Two Dynamic Forces podcast, there's some information on these two different um, energies. And these are a direct reflection of the two dynamic forces within our systems, within our automatic reactionary impulsive responses. And so, well, parasympathetic and sympathetic. Sympathetic is your flight or fight response. It's your hyper response. It's your fear response. It's when you start breathing a little faster. It requires all your blood flow out to your extremities to get ready to fight or to run um, from a scary situation. It's, it's kind of like a startle response. And then the parasympathetic is the opposite of that. It's your rebuilding response, your digestive response, your assimilation response, taking all those nutrients and putting them into action and into um, tissues in your body to help you recuperate from whatever you've done. It's your resting response. So they're very opposite. The sympathetic is more aligned with masculine energy, fight or flight. And then the parasympathetic is more aligned with feminine energy, which is resting, digesting, um, slowing down. So there's two, these are two different levels, right? Masculine is a little hyper and then feminine, feminine is a little, you know, lax and lazy and slow. And depending on any given moment in our days, we may be a little higher or lower on this spectrum of, mem- fat, of masculine to feminine. 
And so the breathing practices that I've outlined, I, I coordinate them with the four elements. One, because nature is all around us to remind us of what those elements are. They're constantly around us, so you cannot escape the four elements. And then two, when you think about the four elements and you start to think in this way of um, you know, characteristics of elements, tendencies of elements, what they're coordinated with, then you can, all of this kind of falls together into a beautiful little key that you can use to access greater health, strength, and happiness. So that's why I've coordinated them with the four elements. For example, we mentioned diaphragmatic breathing, and I've coordinated that with the earth breath for multiple reasons. One, it's the lowest cavity you can fill is your diaphragmatic through diaphragmatic breathing. That's how you can fill your lower cavity, which is in between your belly button and your um, pubic bone. It's a breath that really helps with digestion. It's a breath that really helps you feel grounded and close to the earth. It's a breath that slows you down and it nourishes your basal chakras, your root chakra, your, um, it does nourish your solar plexus a little bit, but also your sacral, sacral chakra, your, your root, the base of your pyramid, you know? And if you think about the earth, what is the earth for us? It's our base, it's our home base. We have nowhere else to go. We can't survive in space. All we have is earth, right? So this diaphragmatic breath does a lot of earthy quality for us and gives us, you know, a lot of grounding when we practice it. So that's why I've termed it the earth breath. And all the other breaths that I've termed using the four elements in nature have similar coordinations. Like the water breath has to do, is the best for dealing with emotions. And if you know anything about the water element, it's highly associated with emotions, with, because of crying, there's water coming out of your face. Um, you know, just basic stuff like that. And it kind of sounds like water running when you do it correctly. If you're interested in learning about these breathing practices that I've outlined, I have some tutorial videos on YouTube. I don't honestly know my own YouTube name. That that's just became a reality. Yep. So I'm going to go ahead and give that a quick Google while I keep talking to you guys. Um, but yeah, I do encourage you to look into those because the way it's broken down, it's earth, air, water, fire, <clears throat> and they're all breathing practices. Earth breath, water breath, air breath, fire breath. And... The earth breath and the water breath are two feminine breathing practices. They will bring you into a parasympathetic state, the rest, digest, relaxation state. So I call those breathing patterns and techniques down regulators because they bring you from a high, too high of a place. Maybe you're high stress. Maybe you just got afraid of something or you had a lot of nervousness or you had a fear response and you need to come down from that. Water breath and earth breath are going to be your go-to's. The other two breathing practices are the air breath and the fire breath. And these two practices are energizing. They are supposed to upregulate you. They're bringing you from bottom to top, from fear to love, from feminine to masculine. And it's pretty cool stuff. I've had almost five years of practice with these specific breathing techniques. There are a million, gajillion breathing techniques, and I've picked four because life is already complicated as hell and I don't need any more complications. So I just picked the ones that I thought would be the most diverse in their effects on the body and mind and the ones that you know would create a balanced state when practiced all together, depending on your particular situation. 
I'm so close to finding my YouTube channel name. We're getting there. I found it. No, I didn't. Anyway, um, so yeah, you should totally check these videos out. They're pretty good. <laughs> I have to say pretty good. Um, I've had a few people go through them and say that they enjoyed them and that they felt that they were helpful. Oh, it looks like I don't have the air breath on here, but you can do a whole lot of work with just the three breaths I shared. And they're also not named <laughs> by their appropriate names, which is kind of funny, but I'll rename them right now. Anywho, try them out if you have time. So I want to just close up with a few personal stories about breathing, emotions, and posture so that you can kind of get a feel for, you know, I mean, there's, I have a huge, I personally place a huge value on someone who can tell me something and educate me based off of their previous experience versus someone who's read a book and can tell me something, right? And it's not that I have anything against academics or anything like that. It's just, there's a quote, there's, yeah, I'm about to quote Bob Marley right now. It, this is getting real. <laughs> there's a quote by Bob Marley, who feels it knows it. It's in this song, who feels it knows it, Lord. It's a good song. And there's another quote in there. Every man thinks his burden is the heaviest. Every man thinks that his burden is the heaviest. But who feels it knows it, Lord. So when I hear that, who feels it knows it, oh man, I just get tingles all the way down to my bones. And it reminds me that the best, most fruitful, most potent knowledge comes only from experience, only from doing, only from having done. And so I personally place a much higher value on someone who is telling me something from their experience, especially if it's experienced over a long period of time than I do from someone who read it out of a book yesterday. You know, that's just me. So that's why I'm sharing these little experiences with you. A few ways that I use these breathing systems. The first one the first example, so when I was in OT school, we had to do a poop ton of presentations. Like, I'm talking one to two presentations in front of the class per week. And we had to have outlines, we had to have handouts, we had to have um, what we called client engagement or getting the group to engage and interact with your, whatever your topic is, getting people to participate and perform actions, which was a, a really good training for me on group facilitation and understanding how to get people to interact with each other and to develop bonds within a group and to create cohesiveness. Man, it was, and I was learning all this stuff while I was teaching yoga and being like a part co-owner of a new studio. So it was perfect timing to really like, in, I was taking the information I was learning in, in school and integrating it right into my yoga classes, like how to make the group cohesive, how to make everyone feel comfortable and and progress people together. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience of synchronicity there. So we had to give these speeches all the time and I would get so nervous. Even if I prepared at home, even if I practiced and read it to Tom, even if I had ran over it a million times, just getting up and knowing I was going to be graded was this, the worst, like nervousness, like I was going to throw up or my stomach was going to cave in and I was just going to implode on myself or my knees were going to give out and just wobble around like Bambi on ice. Oh, terrible feeling. But I was learning about pranayama at the same time. And so I 
thought to myself, wow, what a perfect experiment. What a perfect time to try this. So I would take these breathing practices and I would put them into action right away. And I noticed a dramatic effect on my ability to deliver speeches. And my classmates would say stuff too, like, oh, just, God, why do you make it look so easy? How do you make it look so effortless? You're just natural at speaking. And I'm sitting there like, I didn't even know how to respond. Like, I want to say thank you because that's a nice compliment and it shows me that the practice worked. But surprise, I have a secret superpower. I had a superpower the whole time and nobody knew. They thought I just was like, came out of the womb giving wonderful speech presentations. And I was like, no, (laughs) that's not how it happened. I almost threw up before doing this speech and here I am getting through it without a drop of nervousness in my voice. Why? Because I learned how to control my breath. Not because I was natural, not because I was good at giving speeches or whatever. It's because I practiced, okay? And it helped a lot. Another thing I've used these breathing practices for, so the, for the speeches and dealing with nervousness, water breath. The other thing with speeches, especially if you're a student right now, take some notes right quick. Be first. If you have a chance to be first and get it done, do it. Do it. I promise. It is, a, it is best practice if you ask me to be first. Because if you sit there and sit there and sit there and you linger and linger and linger with these terrible feelings of nervousness and anxiety, and then you're watching other people's presentations, what's giving you, that gives you something to compare yourself to. And you're like, oh, I'll never be as good as that person. Oh, I won't be as good as them, but I still have to go. And I'm going to be the last person to go. It's the worst feeling ever. Just get it over with. And it's a beautiful practice to just walk right up to your fear, look at it in the face, laugh at it and walk right on through. That's I, this is my biggest advice to someone in school right now is to just be first when it comes to your speeches and whatever, or presentations. The other experience I have is, so I use the water breath for that, for the dealing with anxiety and nervousness, water breathing. It's also known as the serpent's breath on my YouTube channel, but I'm going to change it to water breath so you can find it more easily. Um, it's about to play right now. That's awkward. So what else? The other experiences I've had, so training jujitsu, super sympathetic task, okay? It's extremely complex. It's fight or flight, but it's actually just fight. You're just fighting people and you're trying to prevent them from choking you and you're trying to choke them or break or, you know, get to an arm submission or some type of submission on a joint. We don't actually break each other. That would be stupid and we would never be able to practice just so you know, but it's super, um, sympathetic like I said it's high stress it's high activity it's you gotta it's you're way up high and so I use the water breath as well as the earth breath to bring myself back down to a place of homeostasis or a place of balance and it has worked wonders I'm talking as soon as the class is over like we're I mean I'm still in class but we finished our rolling we're live sparring we finished our drilling we're just sitting around the round table having a chat as soon as I know we're done I'm going to start working on my diaphragmatic breathing, earth breath, or my water breath to bring myself down. Because if I don't, I'm going to roll into the night on this crazy high and not be able to sleep. And if I can't sleep, I can't restore my body from the stress that I put it under and I can't heal as faster and then I can't train as much. So it really helps to have a restorative practice for um, if you have a pretty vigorous, sympathetic type of um, sport or activity you like to do. That's another way I use the breathing practices. Um, what else? Other experiences. When I started getting off of coffee, 
I used a stimulating breath, the fire breath in the mornings to help me flood my body with oxygen, to get my heart rate up a little bit, to wake myself up. And it's kind of a, when you do the practice, it kind of rocks your body a little bit. So it's a little gentle shake to kind of like, hey, you're alive, you're here, you're a therapist, you got to go to work, you're doing this, okay, are you alive? Okay, you're ready, here we go. So it's a nice little pump up breath. And I use it as well during or before competitions or before I'm going to do like a hard training session to just pump my body up a little bit without exhausting it. Great breath for that. Um, and then there's, there's a weird, I have a really weird story. So I hope you're ready to get weird today because we're about to get weird. Um, one time, this is a story about water breath. One time I was sitting on the toilet, not actually on the toilet to toilet, but I was sitting down on the toilet in the bathroom by myself at home in the apartment. And it was a rocky ass lut rut. I was having a terrible time. I think it was probably the third time I'd like broken out in tears just because I was overly sensitive. I just started a full-time job. I was just getting used to therapy and just like, whew, it was just a hard road at that moment in time. And I usually, I've gotten a lot better with being able to cry in front of Tom. We're going to have a podcast just about crying because I got a lot to say about crying. But um, before I was comfortable with that, and this, it's taken me like three or four years to get comfortable crying in front of Tom. And he's to the point now, it's so sweet, he can recognize it. He'd be like, you look like you need to cry. You, want, you need a shoulder? I'm like, I don't want a shoulder. I don't want to cry. Oh, fuck, I'm crying. But anyway, back to the story. Sitting on the toilet, and I'm just wailing. I don't even know why I'm wailing. I'm just wailing. And it feels like this deep pain of irritation and overwhelm of life. And just like, why can't we just all have a rest break? It was horrible. And I'm just wailing. And if you've ever heard a cry pattern, it's usually like, you hear that little stutter? Like that is emotion taking over your body. It's taking you over like a possession. It's crazy. So what I did in this moment, I thought, you know what? Let me give this crazy ass water breath shit a try. And I did in the middle of emotion because I'd never tried it in the middle of emotion before then. I was just using it to, you know, decrease nervousness, decrease anxiety, um, whatever, like mentally prepare for doing things I wasn't ready, didn't feel like I was ready to do. But this was the first time I was able to do it in the middle of experiencing an emotional breakdown. And that is why I know the power of this breath. So I said, we're going to get weird. And I, on this podcast, I'm serious, like raw, real perspective. I'm not hiding anything from you. Okay. Because why? What's the point? I have nothing to hide anyway, nothing worth it at least. But anyway, so I'm sitting on the toilet, wailing and weeping. And I decide, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this water breath real quick. So I'm doing my wail. And instead of doing this stutter, I take a natural, regular breath in. Just like, Oh, and I wail again for as long as I want to. I make the wail last as long as I can instead of just like letting it take over. And then I have to like scramble to get my breathing. Sorry, I just died real quick. Whoa, I'm getting choked up just talking about the story. Anyway, so instead of scrambling to get my breath back, I just kind of let out. I let my whales try to be as long as possible. And then I took in a natural breath. And the craziest thing happened, the craziest thing, I mean, really crazy. So I don't know if you've ever had an orgasm, 
but they're different for every woman. And I personally have had a few orgasms in my life and thank God, I'm very grateful to be able to say that. And the first time I ever had an orgasm ever in my life, and I knew it was an orgasm because of this very symptom and experience, I got experienced like these, a flood of like tingles, like buzzy, imagine like a bunch of mm, butterflies, like congregating on the palms of your hands and just like tickling the shit out of your fingers. I got that in my hands, my feet, and weirdly enough, in the back of my face, like behind my nose and my mouth and my eyes. And it's just like this buzzing of beautiful, tingly, tickling light sensation that I was just like, whoa, never felt that before. And it feels amazing. And I'm having the best time of my life. What? So get this. Doing the water breath during my emotional breakdown on the toilet. And what happens? I start feeling the goddamn tingles in my face and in my hands, like just as though I had an orgasm, but no sex involved. It was the weirdest thing ever. I was like, and I like stopped crying, which is funny because I was like, wailing, and then all of a sudden I feel these tingles. I'm like, huh? 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 And then I just sat there in total quiet and peace and just experienced it. And it was the most ecstatic, beautiful thing I've ever experienced. So, If you would like to experience an orgasm just from crying your freaking eyes out, holla at your girl. I'll show you how to do it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I I can't guarantee to give you an orgasm from crying, but I'm just saying using this breath totally transformed something that I thought was super negative and terrible into a really pleasant and pleasurable experience. Power of breathing, man. It's real. It is so real. Okay. I don't know why, but I'm like choking to death a little bit. I think... (laughs) As I was talking and wailing, I kind of like hucked through, like hucked up a loogie a little bit. And now it's like sitting in the back of my right nostril and it needs to be blown out. Super, super hot. (laughs) Super professional. Anyway, I'm hoping that you enjoyed this weird and strange podcast about breathing emotions and posture. It's some of my favorite stuff to talk about. A lot of it I picked up during my studies in yoga. And um, I've been practicing those, these concepts and principles for, like I said, rolling on six, seven years. And I found them to be very effective in how I manage myself, how I hold myself, um, getting through really challenging situations, dealing with fear, moving past my own self-limitations. It's seriously, these have been some of the most foundational pieces of my practice when it comes to implementing healthy lifestyle. So give it a try. Really put your, put an honest effort forth. If you're just a beginner in this, Just start with the earth breath and get used to diaphragmatic breathing because that is our natural or should be our natural state of nourishing the body with breath. And uh, it'd be a good idea just to start there. Um, If you'd like further training outside of the videos that I offer, please contact me. I'm totally down for um, offering breathing. I I wouldn't charge a lot of money for it because breathing is like we all have it there. It's nothing special, but the coaching itself would take time for me, so I would charge just a little fee for it, but it's something that can really change your life if you make it a regular practice. <clears throat> Anywho, like I said, I'm choking to death, so I'm going to go. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the podcast, you can always go to my donation page on womenshealthylivingclub.wordpress.com under the donations tab. Click the link, and you can offer $5 or $15. $5 is like buying... <coughs> Sorry. 
$5 is like buying me my favorite cup of coffee. 15 is like buying me lunch. That'd be cool. If you don't feel like buying me lunch or a cup of coffee, that's fine. I ain't judging. Everybody's in their own place. Um, but you can also support just by listening. You can support by sharing this podcast with your girlfriends or your friends. If they're guys and they want to get a women's perspective on health, that's cool too. Share it on up. And you can support this podcast by putting into action the things that I'm sharing with you. That is the best way to support yourself and then support this podcast. Because if you can support yourself, then you'll be alive longer to listen to this podcast. (laughs) It all goes back to you. Anywho, until the next time, I say good day.